is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 177, operating on April 17, 2023. This is Doug, an airline pilot, and I'm here with my buddy Drew, an airline ops manager. We're here to discuss aviation topics from an industry insider's perspective. Drew, I'm sitting here in Dallas, or maybe Fort Worth. I, I don't exactly <laughs> know where, where the city line is. Irving? I think you mentioned some place called Irving. Yes, but the DFW airport is cut literally like right in half between mm-hmm. Dallas and Fort Worth. So we could have a name for it, because we have Burlingame and Elizabeth. What is Dallas Fort Worth? Is it like <laughs> you're gonna? He's Google mapping. It's. I, I think it's dependent on which terminal you're in. I, okay. I, I was gonna Google map it, but actually, in one of the presentations that we had yesterday, they were showing us that I guess they introduced the concept for the DFW airport in 1961. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it took them five. It them as in like Dallas and Fort Worth, two cities, took them five years to settle on a location for the actual airport and they showed us a map of the airport with like a line and a distance marker Mm -hmm. the airport is exactly 17 miles from downtown fort worth and exactly 17 miles from downtown dallas and i was i I was laughing about it and thinking to myself like that is the most texas thing where both cities both of the major cities in the state Uh don't want the airport to be one mile closer right to, to the other, other to the mm-hmm. other city. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's very fair. It's um black and white. <laughs> yeah. I think you Irving. I think we want to say Irving because that sounds like a small town <laughs> that yeah. no one's heard of. And and yeah, and, and that way we're we're not making Dallas or for Fort Worth feel bad. Yeah. Anyways, I'm 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 sitting here in Dallas, Fort Worth, or I guess I could call it the Metroplex because that's mm-hmm. that's what people call it here. After an awesome weekend with the Non-Rev Lounge team and several dozen of theirs and our listeners, we'll talk about that more at the end. Everyone was disappointed that you couldn't make it, Drew, but I totally understand. You don't get unlimited vacation time. I don't get unlimited vacation time. We work for an airline, and someone has to run that airline Mm -hmm. this weekend. That was you. Speaking of which, how was the hub? Uh, so it kind of ran itself because the days that I worked were sunny, blue sky days, and it's beautiful out here the flowers are in bloom i think i sent you some pictures it is just great spring 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 has sprung yeah but i lucked out so yesterday there had we had a thunderstorm go through 10 diversions that were mostly going to the new york area i almost feel guilty when i'm watching this because i get the buzzes you know from the chat at work and it was crazy so 10 diversions they got them all out but uh, I'm going to save some of that for one of our discussions about ATC. So I'll talk more <laughs> about that. So you have been um, this whole this whole episode could be about your travels this week. Uh, you have been flying the competition, all kinds, a network. No, 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 just one because you drove. That's right, you drove. Yeah. Okay, so for the listeners, um, Doug is in Wichita right now, and you're there for was it four months for 767 training or yeah, it's not, yeah. <laughs> How you flew the competition over there, and did you did you fly a point to point type situation, or did you fly a hub and spoke situation? Well, be, before I get to that, I think you were thinking that I flew the competition down here from Wichita to Dallas, and you just corrected yourself and said I drove. The funny thing is, every single one of our listeners who approached me yesterday, 
mm-hmm. they asked me what flight I ended up on because we, we talked about that on the last episode. And I said, no, unfortunately, I'm that guy who drove a car six hours to an aviation get together. <laughs> who, who does that? But I, for the that? listeners, I, you know, you showed me a picture of your car. It is a Dodge Challenger and not just a challenge. It looked like a souped up version and it's a manual version. To yeah, be honest, I would have driven. It's got a, it's got a Hemi. It's a <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. They have these at rental car companies? I did not know that. But, okay, so. I well, I, I'll think. tell you what. I'll, I'll get to that at, at the end of my travels. Okay. I, but I, I'm, I, I'm just, just CRJ200 versus Dodge Challenger Hemi engine manual. Yeah. I'm driving. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was zero to 60 in two seconds and then uh, cruise control at 65. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But to answer your question, you, you asked if I flew a, a network c- carrier or yeah. like what what the what the flight was, and I I think I mentioned last week I was on Southwest. Southwest is very much a point to point airline. They they claim they don't have hubs, they have flights. So let let me let me go back to sitting at the gate in Sacramento, and I think I texted you this or texted the group this. It was showing Denver with follow-on stops of Birmingham, Alabama, Houston Hobby, and Tulsa. And the gate agent even said, welcome to flight 282 with service to Denver, and then Birmingham, and then Houston, and then Tulsa. If you're in the skate area and you're going to Tulsa, you're in for a very long day. Uh, <laughs> that's what, that, like, that's that, is what, that is what she said. And then we got to Denver and the flight attendant made an announcement and said, ladies and gentlemen, we actually have a lot of people going to Birmingham, continuing on to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. This is your airplane. If you are going to Birmingham, do not get off the plane. This is yeah. a through This is a through service. Please wait until everyone is off. Everyone who is not going to Birmingham is off the airplane to switch seats so that we can get a correct count of who is supposed to be still on the airplane. Okay. What, well, like once once everyone is off, if you're going to Birmingham, then you can switch seats. But until that time, remain in your present seat. That is, this is kind of cool. This is a they have, probably have several of these unknown milk runs. So this was yes. San Francisco, uh, Sacramento, Sacramento to Denver, to Denver to Birmingham, Alabama to Birmingham. No, that back, can't be backtracking. Back okay, to the hobby and then up to Tulsa, and that's where that. That's where that flight terminated, and there were it, that makes sense. It, okay. if it like if you want to know what air service was like before deregulation, find yeah. one of these Southwest flights that that crisscrosses the country, and people actually yeah. stay on that particular flight. And I was just blown away that there was so much demand. I I, I won't tell you. I, I don't know if Southwest wants me to like give up the information, but th- I mean there there were more than it would take more than ten fingers for me mm-hmm. to count the number of people who were flying from Sacramento to Birmingham, Alabama. Like there, there mm-hmm. was actually a large oh. portion of that airplane that did not get off in Denver that were flying from wow. Sacramento to Birmingham, I Alabama. Have known there's a huge, there's all that traffic between Sacramento and Birmingham. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was, I was blown away. That's also weird that they bypassed Houston Hobby, which is one of their hubs, if you will, loosely put. 
to go to Birmingham first? Why would you stop at Hobby first? Yeah. And then those people have and that, access to all those other flights from Hobby. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, I, that, I, 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 don't know, I don't know how to answer that. Okay. Well, the cool thing about this is if, if you are going to Hobby or Tulsa or Birmingham, you're going to get great seats. Just make it through the first flight and, and then, then you can... That that's actually that that that's a great. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I know Southwest boarding, and I, I'm going to talk about the the boarding process in Denver here in a second. Southwest boarding is one of those like love hate relationships. Mm-hmm. Most people either hate the Southwest boarding process or they love it. And I know one thing that actually upsets a lot of people is okay. There in in Denver, there were more than 15 people who are staying on the airplane going to Birmingham. If you are a, a business traveler with status on Southwest, you're guaranteed one of the first 15 boarding spots, like A1 mm-hmm. through 15, which hypothetically then you could get an exit row, you get bulkhead, all of that, whatever it is. But if it's a through flight and there are people who are still sitting on the airplane who are then allowed to move and pick a better seat, if you're one of those mm-hmm. like A one through fifteen, the exit row. If it's a seven thirty seven seven hundred, and there are more than twelve people still on the airplane, hypothetically, the entire exit row and the bulkhead could already be taken because those people mm-hmm. could move into those seats. Right. So that that's actually one complaint about the Southwest boarding process that may, maybe you pay. Uh, I actually I, I was curious what it was because on the app I was getting a notification saying you can pay to upgrade to boarding position A1 through 15. It was $40 from Sacramento to Denver. So if that was a through flight, like if 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 my flight had gone from, I don't know, say Burbank to Sac to Denver, and there, yeah. were, there were enough people who stayed on that airplane to get to Denver, if I had mm-hmm. paid for that A1 through 15 because I was like, oh, I want an exit row or something like to to board early enough to get an exit row. If there are enough people who are staying on the airplane, they could have all taken it and you board and you find, oh, well, I paid the money to board first, but there's actually still 20 people sitting on the airplane. Taking all the exit row seats. Taking all all the good seats. Do they have any legroom seats? No. Or is it all the same pitch? No, I mean, the, the only legroom seats is the exit rows and the bulkhead. Okay. All right. So we, we got a lot to discuss. So so you flew from Sacramento to Denver, Denver to... that. Then you changed planes at mm-hmm. their spoke, yes. not hub. Not, not, not hub. At, 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 spoke. <laughs> at their spoke. <laughs> yeah. Which has a whole terminal, a, a spoke with like probably 200 flights. Yeah. So you got off the plane and it was packed at the spoke with all so, kind of Southwest flights. And then... You did go to the Amex Lounge. Yeah, I think you had a few minutes yeah, in there. Yeah, the, the food, the food was awesome. We've talked about that lounge quite a bit, so I, I want to spend our limited time that we have left talking about this trip on mm-hmm. back to the Southwest boarding process. I <laughs> I knew that there were like ninety open seats on my flight from Denver to Wichita, and I mm-hmm. had it was like boarding position A twenty or something. So I, I was one of the first people to board the airplane. And because yeah. I knew that it was relatively empty, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go, when I, when I board, I'm going to go behind the wing to the back of the airplane, and then hopefully I'll get, like, a row to myself or something like that. So mm-hmm. I'm one of the first people. Oh, yeah. To, one of the first people to board. I'm sitting in, like, the fifth row from, from the back, and I'm watching these other people board, 
Drew, by the time the airplane boarded, in front of the exit rows, Uh let's say there were 100 people on the flight. In front of the exit row, there were 95 people. Behind the exit row, there were five. Including you. Including me. And even then, there were people sitting in middle seats in front of the exit row who asked the people on the aisle seat to get up so that they could take the middle seat. They're not looking to the back of the empty airplane, <laughs> the empty right. airplane. And I'm watching okay, this. Okay, but can I, okay, just can I say in the early stages of this podcast three years ago, you said that you would choose a middle seat in front versus a window in the back with the middle open. That's what they're doing. They're getting their seat in the front. Um, no, no. I said I said that if it was the extra legroom that comes with extra amenities like free drinks and things like that, Th- this oh. comes with zero. Yeah. And there, there are no. It's not like people have a tight connection in Wichita because they're they're not connecting to anything in Wichita. Mm-hmm. And I checked a bag, and by the time I got to the carousel after getting off the airplane from the back of the airplane. I still had to wait like 10 minutes to get my bag. So it's not like asking for that middle seat in the front 10 rows saved mm-hmm. them any time for anything that was going on. It was just fat. It, it was, it was one of those, I like, don't get it. It, it was one of those like psychological experiments that people might, might do for a thesis for grad school is sit in the last row of a Southwest flight and look forward and just watch what the boarding process is like. It, it was fascinating to me that people didn't even look to the back of the airplane and see that it was wide open. So let's think about this. So you're sitting in the back, which people would think, oh, it's worse because you're in the back. You have a whole row to yourself. You have a million dollar view, view back there behind the wing. You're going to get better service because the flight attendant back there, she's only serve, she or he is only serving you, yeah. <laughs> you and four other people. Um, you have room, you don't have someone sitting right next to you. It's a no brainer for me, but that, that is funny to hear, but people still gravitate towards the front. <laughs> My other question for Southwest is how do they do their load planning? Because everyone's in the front, there's yeah. no assigned seats. So yeah. how does the computer know where that, people are sitting? That, that's a great question. I was wondering that too, because yeah, I, there's I, a Southwest been, flight attendant or pilot. This, this was a relatively empty flight which means that there were a lot of open seats and people could sit wherever they wanted Uh, on our company. I've been on relatively empty flights like this one before. And the flight attendants have made announcements because dispatch tells us to tell the flight attendants, do not let people move until we Mm -hmm. take off because we have to make sure that the CG center of gravity is within the, the assigned or or, or the, the, the required level. My yeah. only thought is maybe they had enough like belly cargo to be able to negate or or say it doesn't matter where people sit. But yeah, I, that's a great question. How does Southwest do their their load planning when it's open open, open seat. seating, free for all for everyone? I'm sure that the flight attendants have to do. Well, wait, you said that they were doing a count. Were they doing? They a were. Count they're, yeah, they they were walking around doing a count, but I don't think it was necessarily. They weren't putting it into like an iPad or a phone into Mm. a system. It was more just like counting to to make sure that they had the correct number of people on board. There there, there was no like there are six people in row one, five people in row two, etc. It was more just like how many people are on board. If anyone's listening that wants to give us that answer, we'll share it. If you work for Southwest or you know the answer somehow. But if not, we will find the answer for next episode. Airlines that do open seating, how do they do weight and balance? Because I'll tell you, our airline is very specific. 
when we have a diversion and a plane comes in and some people get off, yeah. load planning wants to know which seats, which seats? not even. Yeah. <laughs> it's very precise. Yeah. And they get upset if you don't know. And the agents are scrambling. Oh, I think it was 14C. And I'm, and I'm like, can we just get this plane off the ground? Is it going to make a difference if the person was in 14C or 28F? And the load planners are like, yeah, we need to know. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let, All right. Let, so anything well, else about your flight? Yeah. Last thing about it, I get to mm-hmm. Wichita city of like 500,000 people get off the airplane. They had glass jetways. Oh, nice. It was beautiful. And it it was like, I have never been on a glass jetway in Mm -hmm. the United States. It's like the middle, the middle of Kansas, middle of the Midwest, a quote unquote flyover state. Yeah. And they have the like gorgeous, brand new terminal, gorgeous glass jetways. I, I was, I was, really impressed it was a really good well, first impression these, well some of these airports are i think owned by european companies so maybe they just have extra jetways that, that they could be. yeah <laughs> it's quite just, crap port, you know frankfurt yeah. airport that owns Wichita. send them over yeah. <laughs> yeah no that is so nice but that can you imagine to keep those clean you know to windex those every you know <laughs> especially especially in kansas where where it's really windy and the dust blows and rain comes through multiple times a day big thunderstorms like it, yeah you're right, right dust storms yeah it's, it's <laughs> got to be quite quite some work okay so we got to move on so i'm <laughs> interested I, yeah i love this talk about sitting on a 737 but kc46 what is your first impression I, i'll keep this short because I, I know we went really long on on the opening the cockpit is awesome i, I there it like it is awesome. incredible there's no other mm-hmm. way to put it because it is a 787 flight deck that is shoved mm-hmm. into a 767-200 body. Yeah. And you, walk, like. you walk in and you see the screens and you see all the buttons and everything. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. Honestly, that was my first impression walking into the sim was, wow. Caps, all, all caps, exclamation marks, wow. It looks yeah. it looks awesome. I mean, was that, that was your picture that you sent me? Yeah. Oh my God, it looked like some poster that someone would have. But I want to ask you, so when you went into that flight deck, isn't it exactly the same as a 777 as far as square footage? It's a, it's a little bit smaller. And actually, the, the next bullet that I have that I want to bring up is it is close enough to the triple, but different enough that I'm actually going to have a hard time going through training mm. because the switches are in the same place. Everything is in the same place, but the way that the 76 flows and procedures are set up we don't move the same switches at the same time as we do on the triple i look up at the overhead panel and like my hydraulics are the same switches in the same position as 737 as a triple but i don't turn the same ones on at the same point in the process so I'm my so mind. That's like the my mind is the screens are like a seven eighty seven. Yes. Is there anything that's like a seven thirty seven? No, not really. Okay. My mind right, is blowing so, up right now because I'm 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 trying to not brain dump the triple. I'm trying to learn what they want us to do on the seven six. And I right. so when I'm going through like when I'm studying, when I'm in the sim, when I'm going through all that, in my mind I'm doing two things. I'm doing what I'm trying to learn on the seven six. And I am also then going through my triple procedures so that I don't forget them and so I can keep them separate. It, it's it, it's actually going to be difficult for me because it is so close, but it's different enough that it's going to be really hard. 
going back and forth between the two. Well, you should do what I told you. Take a magic marker and a piece of scratch paper and tape it to the control column, and it says 767 <laughs> with an exclamation point, right? Yeah. Just so you don't have to think, uh, where am I again? Yeah. The the last thing I want to bring up is a, a question that came up yesterday from one of our listeners. And I apologize. I can't remember who it was, but they were like, why does it take so long when you change airplanes? Like you, you're a qualified pilot. You have your license. Why is, mm-hmm. why is it training so long going from one particular airplane to another? I know I've used like the computer analogy before. If you go from a Mac to a PC or PC to a Mac, kind of have to learn where the, the switches are. I, I'm going to take it a little one step further, especially because I'm at a travel get together right now, and a lot of people have rental cars. You've been, you've all been there before, where you have your driver's license, you've qualified to drive, you know how to drive, and you get into a car that maybe is like may, maybe you drive Ford or GM or U.S. built cars. Um, What's like that? The, the the lights. How do you turn on the headlights? It's different if it's European or exactly. American, so so it, it, ta- it takes you a few minutes sitting in the parking garage before you drive out of the, the rental car place to like get situated and figure out how to set up the mirrors, how, like where the buttons are. And even once you start driving, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I, I need my, you know, windshield wiper fluid. Where, where is where is the switch? Where's the button? That yeah. That's exactly it on a scale times like a thousand because there are a hundred because there are so many more buttons and switches and interfaces and things. That's why it takes so long because we have to reshape our mind to think about things from like a totally different angle. Yeah. I think on this, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you'll be, you'll actually be, when you're in it, you'll be doing more of the flying because there's probably shorter, they're definitely shorter flights than on the triple and you don't have a bunky, Right. You won't be doing long range. Well, you might. Who knows? I think you'll you'll get a lot of hands on with this with this aircraft. Yeah. Well, it, especially because I'm going in as an initial qualification instructor, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to be an instructor for the squadron oh. to get other people qualified when when they get there. So it, it awesome. like and and that actually adds a little added level like layer of. I really need to learn this because I, I'm not just yeah. going to be the captain. I'm going to be the the person flying with unqualified people teaching them this airplane. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, no, I mean, you're smiling and you said it was amazing. So that's good. So hopefully, you know, you're starting to let go of the KC-10 and going full steam ahead with the KC-46. I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> no, it's exciting. That that flight deck looks really good. Before we leave that, the reason I asked you, is it the same square footage as a 777? I sent you a picture, and I sent the listeners a picture, and I asked them, 777 or 767? Yeah. And what would you have guessed? I would have guessed the 76. Seven six. So the picture that I sent, it's on our Instagram. It's um, just the cockpit window, a little bit of the uh, radome. So most people guess seven sixty seven, which was correct. But Doug, if you said triple seven, you would be forgiven because I learned today or yesterday that the triple seven and the seven six seven have the same section forty one, which on Boeing aircraft is the front fuselage. Hmm. So if you look at a triple seven window and just that front section. It's the same. It's the same part. So those are interchangeable between the seven sixty seven and the triple seven. And you also have the triple seven and the sixty seven have the same nose cone or radome. Interesting. 
Yeah, it's just behind that, the plane is much bigger. It, it gets wider, yeah. It gets and, wider, and you, yeah. I mean, you can see that when you're on a triple, just like the 7-3, when you look forward towards the, mm-hmm. the forward galley and the boarding doors, you see it start to curve in. Yeah, and that section 41, if you look at the 707, it's the same on the 727, the 737. <laughs> the oddball is the 757. It's yeah. not... It's not the same as either of those. Different cockpit, but would you say same floor area at least? Because I, I need to confirm that before we move on. It, it's it's hard to tell because the sim is always bigger behind because it, they have extra seats and, and cooling equipment and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I And I haven't done an aircraft tour. Like I, I have yet to actually set foot on a KC-46. So I can mm-hmm. tell you if the flight deck, it, it's all based on where they put the door, like the, the, the yeah. back wall of the flight deck and the door. After the yeah. first time, I'll, I'll be able to tell you. But right now, I really have no idea if it is bigger. For the listeners, get ready to learn all about the KC-46, because that's going to be a topic until you tell us to stomp. And then we'll probably still talk about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Francis. <laughs> Sorry, Francis. Doug, we were going to leave our Word of the Week segment out because we have so much content, so much stuff in this episode. But listener Greg, who just left Dallas because he was there for this event with you, Shout out to Greg. He gave us a really good word. Our buddy Greg is now an engineer for a major engine maker. So we're getting a lot of this this engine propaganda. <laughs> you should have seen him at the American Museum yesterday. He was doing lessons they about They had a something. CF6 and he was teaching people. And there were like 15 people right. just standing around this. this you, you talked about how you could be a docent at the Udvar Hazy Museum. Mm-hmm. Greg, Greg could stand in front of that CF6, the GE CF6 engine at the American Airlines Museum for free Uh, and just teach lessons on what the components are. On our Instagram, I'm going to put your glamour shot of you sitting in an RB211 engine. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I was, I thought for sure that was a Pratt & Whitney because it wasn't a General Electric because it didn't have, oh no, no, I thought it was General Electric because it had the swirl on the little. On the nose cone or or on the cap, on the forward part of the engine. Yeah. Yeah, I think a Pratt and, the Pratt & Whitney's just have a line uh-huh. instead of a scroll. They do. But it was a RB211, which is on the 757. The word of the week from Greg, DOD. Doug, what does the Department of Defense have to do with aviation? Well, I mean, the DOD has, has a lot, a, has a lot, <laughs> a lot <laughs> to do with aviation. Sure. And we're, and we're going to be talking about that in the next couple months. But no, DOD, and Greg asked this, and it. it I feel bad, Greg. Sorry, no one answered your question because he then on the group chat, like four days later, was like, "Okay, guys, I'll tell you what this is." <laughs> you know what? I might, I may have missed that because this is the nerdy stuff I love. So yeah. I must have missed when he initially. Yeah, he goes, "It's domestic object damage," which the actual definition is damage to any portion of an engine by a domestic object from that engine, such as bolts, brackets, airfoils, etc. Not to get into the weeds here because we're already super long on what we planned, but there are multiple stages of engines. Like the N1 is the fan, like the the first Mm -hmm. stage. I guess let's go back to, I guess, the 737 incident where a fan blade went through the cowling and it it then impacted the fuselage and depressurized Mm -hmm. the airplane. There were parts then that went through that engine I, I know this is not a technical term, but as pilots, we call it, it shredded the engine. So that yeah. would be DOD. That is, that is domestic object damage. That's not a bird flying into the engine and tearing up the engine. That is a piece from that engine. 
that goes back into farther stages. And as it does mm-hmm. it on the GE9X engine, some some of the components are spinning at 15,000 RPMs. That is 15,000 revolutions per minute. Which well, is, it is breaking the speed. Of those The edge of those blades are breaking the speed of sound. Yes. You have a piece <laughs> that comes loose and it goes flying back through all these stages that are so spinning at 15,000 mm-hmm. RPMs. Mm-hmm. Shredding That's the engine like should, out of should be a technical term because <laughs> a bolt flying off going back through all those stages at, at that speed yeah. is going to shred the engine. That's DOD. Yeah. Now, DOD, that if you, you know, this is an easy way to remember domestic object damage. We've talked about FOD, FOD, which is foreign, foreign. object damage. Yeah. So that's something that's not part of the airplane that gets ingested. That is FOD. This is. I don't think anyone says Dodd. We can start saying it. We can coin that. <laughs> like, are you talking about Fod or Dodd? You know, just to go we are. No one else knows. I did not even know this until Greg mentioned DOD. But, but before we move on, so it's domestic object damage. So is that like when you put a fork in the disposal? Would that be DOD? <laughs> yes. No, that, no, a fork, no, a fork in the disposal, I think, would be Fod. That'd be Fod. D- what about a cat D- in a dryer? Like the girls <laughs> like, can't hear Olaf the cat in the dryer. Yeah. That's domestic. It's not part of the dryer, but it is a domestic. It's, it's from inside the house. It's a, it's, well, that and it's a domestic long-haired cat that crawled into my dryer. So yes, that that would be that would be Dodd. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on before we before we lose <laughs> listeners because we have a lot of exciting things that we want to talk about yet this week. Let's get some work done, Drew. What's going on in the news? All right, so if you are headed to New York this summer, you might want to double-check your reservation because the airlines are reducing your, their flights. American, United, and Delta, and JetBlue, they've all announced that they'll reduce their summer schedules to New York by around 10%. This is a good thing, Doug. I am glad that they're doing that, but I can tell you right now, that's not going to be enough. No, but because it's going to help you. I see this during the summer. It's hmm? going to help you a little bit down to the With south. job security, because I'll be working their flights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the only way it's going to help me. Reduction cuts will affect the three major New York airports, JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark. Airlines are being forced to trim service at the behest of the FAA, who is projecting a staffing shortage this summer in New York. The FAA says its national staffing level is 81% of required levels, while the New York area is just at 54%. Around 45% of the flights might experience delays this summer if flight levels aren't decreased. Airline executives have been very vocal last year about ATC delays with Delta's Ed Bastian going so far as to call air traffic control the most strained aviation industry segment. Air traffic controllers take three years to train and attain required certifications, and training was paused during the pandemic, which is a major reason for the shortage. So did you know that FAA controllers, they have to pass a medical like you do for flying a 777, and I do for flying a 172. Yeah, do. First of all, shout out to Tom Rainey, who's a listener. I met him yesterday. He mm-hmm. He's retired, but he used to work in the Louisville Tower. So oh, Tom, wow. Tom we, I, I oh. forgot to mention Can he come on yesterday. the show? I We would love to have you on. And, and oh, I, my goodness. I, I can find you on Twitter. We'll, we'll reach out, but we would love to have you on the show. He was some of his stories yesterday, Drew. I like. I wish you had been there. They were awesome. Some some of the stories that he was talking about when he was working at Tower. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just because we we've uh, been asking uh, for ATC controllers yeah. to reach out to us and say that you want to come on. So I, I, we'll reach out to Tom and try and get him on. Well, yeah, I mean, my buddy Joe at uh, our Tower, you know, he's been wanting to be on, but you know, they're very reserved in what they can say. Yeah. So I think they're hesitant. 
Tom has been on non-rev lounge, I think. So I, I think, oh, I, I think he would be comfortable coming on. Yeah. Tom free t-shirt. I mean, <laughs> he saw your t-shirts. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But anyway, to round this out. So airlines are idling 10% of their landing slots at New York. The good thing is they will not lose that slot because they're asked to do this. And um, this is a um, public service announcement for all the airlines that fly into the New York area. Fly less flights with bigger planes. If we have a 777 coming in and we're holding on a CRJ 200 with 20 people on it, that's not efficient. Fly less flights and bigger planes. That would really help reduce the traffic into uh, JFK, Newark, and LaGuardia. Yeah. The only thing that I want to say about this, and I know I texted you, is we, we talked late last year about how the DOT, the Department of Transportation, was telling the airlines, you better hire the correct staffing levels or we will make you because the DOT and the FAA were blaming the airlines for some of the delays because they, they said staffing isn't what it needs to be. Hire people so that you can fly the schedule that you're putting out there. And airline executives, like we said, Ed Bashan here, and I know Scott Kirby from United has been very vocal mm-hmm. as well, were saying, hey, look look at yourself. It's not just on us. It's also on you. Right. ETC delays have been a, a major factor for the reason why a lot of our flights have been delayed. And now mm-hmm. the FAA is saying, sorry, guys. Yeah, we're, we're not fully staffed. So it's like they're, they're standing up there yelling at the airlines saying, you better hire, you better hire not looking at themselves and not seeing this coming. And now all of a sudden telling airlines, hey, you're going to have to trim your schedules because we are not fully staffed. Well, and people also need to understand this is not just a New York problem. It's a national problem because do you know how many airplanes transit those three airports? And I'm not even kidding. We'll have a flight that's coming in from the New York area that not only, you know, if that flight's late, that's going to affect the next flight. That flight may also have crews with connections to five other flights. Yeah. Now, five other flights are delayed because of, of New problems York. in New York. Exactly. Well, and, and look at like the Northeast Corridor, Boston down to Florida. It, mm-hmm. it can't. It it cannot avoid the New York area. Well, and just uh, I was talking about the diversions yesterday at my airport. We're not even in the thick of the summer yet, and there were ten diversions, and. Uh, I'm going to need um, I'm going to need therapy at the end of the summer because it is supposed to be Noah is forecasting that this summer is going to be hotter and wetter, which means more thunderstorms along the East Coast. So I wish people could see my face. I <laughs> uh, know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, like I said, job job security for all of us. Well, it's always my favorite time of the quarter as a data geek. I, I guess I can call myself that. It's earnings season. And as always, Delta was the first to report their quarterly results this week. Don't worry, listeners. I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of numbers, but there are some key takeaways from what Delta reported. They had a net loss of $363 million for the first quarter. Although when you remove the one-time expense of the large payout to the pilot group who signed a new contract in that quarter, it actually had an adjusted net income of $163 million. And despite the lower-than-expected quarter, Delta is still upbeat about its forecast for revenue growth and earnings in the second quarter, and it's ahead of what the analysts estimate. Corporate bookings are still recovering despite the cloudy economic environment. This is a huge bullet, Drew. We're, we're in this possible R word. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks it's like this slow moving freight train derailment. Mm-hmm. But Delta is saying that their corporate bookings are back to 85% of 2019 levels, at least domestically. That's awesome. 
that's yeah. good to hear. But yeah, because we were waiting for the airlines to actually confirm what we were seeing, and they were. Yeah, here, here's your data. Delta is also mm-hmm. betting pretty big on premium seats, saying that the demand for the premium cabins is outpacing demand for economy seats. And I know we've talked about this in the plat in the past as well. Delta says yeah. that it plans to offer fifteen thousand more premium seats a day across its network versus the same period in two thousand nineteen. Airlines are using premium seat revenue as what they call a, quote, shock absorber for increases Mm -hmm. in prices and possible economic downturns ahead. United expects to have 53 premium seats per flight by 2026. That that number is staggering. And and granted, premium doesn't just mean first class. It also means premium economy and the extra legroom seats. But that 53 seats per flight is a 75% increase over what they had in 2019. So Delta is increasing, United's increasing. American is saying, hey, we don't want to be left out. They're going to increase by 45% in the -hmm. same period. So all these airlines are are moving to these premium seats because that's where the revenue is, is being driven right now. Well, let me tell you, and I, you know, I say this is a good problem to have and I hope the listeners can see me rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> you and I cannot get a first class seat to save our life leaving either San Francisco or Washington or New York because there's so much premium traffic. It's a hundred percent full in our from the from a revenue from, from a revenue standpoint. From a revenue perspective. Yeah. Not only that, if you're going to Europe, you know, so I want a non revenue to Europe because maybe I can get first or business. Usually that's easier because it's much more expensive. It's not easy. There's only a handful of first class and even premium economy seats because just like, you know, they're saying in this article, the premium traffic is back. And, you know, at first I thought people are just dusting off their miles that they've been sitting on during COVID. But now it's been a year Mm -hmm. and the cabins are still full. So we're seeing a real growth in premium traffic. So the next story is a follow on from something we didn't cover a couple of weeks ago. Doug, the Dutch government introduced a new rule for Amsterdam Schiphol Airport that limited the number of flights a year to 460,000 down from 500,000, blocked four engine aircraft from landing there and banned any private aircraft as well as closing the airport to all flights from midnight to 5 a.m. Okay, so this is Amsterdam. This is just down the road from Den Haag, The Hague, which is the international court. I would like to officially file charges on a hate crime against the 747 against <laughs> the Dutch government <laughs> because no four engine aircraft can, that's what they want. They don't want any more 747s anyway. All right. The restrictions were an effort to cut both noise pollution and emissions. KLM sued to block the new restrictions. And this, uh, this week, a judge ruled in their favor, essentially lifting all proposed bans. Thank goodness. In the ruling, the judge said the Dutch government didn't, follow correct legal procedures in instating the ban. They also didn't check with AvGeeks. Let me just put that in. <laughs> Which you always do before you do anything this drastic. KLM says it will offer a, a better alternative for achieving less noise and CO2 while meeting travelers' needs to fly. Analysts said that before the ruling, that the restrictions could mean that Amsterdam would lose favor with airlines and shrink into a medium-sized hub, which would severely impact the Dutch economy as well as the Eurozone at large. Immediately following the ruling, JetBlue announced that it is launching flights from New York to Amsterdam beginning this summer with the hopes of launching a Boston flight in the near future. Amsterdam is a huge aviation hub. It's, it's a what, huge... It's like the third, second or third largest in Europe. Like, yeah. Europe means Amsterdam. I, I understand that the Dutch government is, is moving toward 
trying to trying to be more green, which I think everyone is and everyone is trying and, and as they should. But I, the noise thing, I don't really get that because Shipple is like pretty far outside of town, and you mm. see you see pictures on airliners.net oh, yeah. and lots of and Instagram and whatever of planes landing at Shipple, and there's mm-hmm. this like farm fields in the background. It's not like it's midway right in no, the middle and- of downtown or like right in the middle of Chicago. It's not like it's LaGuardia coming in over Manhattan. Like it, it yeah. is out in even the- London. Yeah. London it, you see the seven forty sevens overhead Amsterdam. I don't remember seeing any planes. No, honest. it's 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 outside of town, out in the farmlands. So I yeah, I, I, I think this is this is good. I do agree with KLM's statement. Everyone needs to to be working on being more climate and noise sensitive. But that's why we have our buddy Greg working at the engine manufacturer right. trying to figure out how to make a more powerful, more quiet engine. Quiet. That's why, more that's why we have all these initiatives to reduce emissions and create more efficient airplanes. Like it's going to take mm-hmm. time forcing the hand of the airlines and the airports like this is, is mm-hmm. not the right answer in my, at least in my opinion. Well, it just seems like the Dutch government and KLM have like a constant feud going on. So do you remember in March of last year, there everyone was dropping their mass restrictions, all the countries, and the Dutch government was one of the last to the point where KLM said, we are no longer enforcing it, yeah. even though that <laughs> yeah. was a Dutch yeah. requirement. I would just like to say, you know, whenever I had a disagreement with uh, one of my supervisors, when I was a zone controller with a ramp soup or a customer service soup, I had a boss who said, okay, well, why don't you take them out for a coffee and a scone and you guys work it out? when do I have time to take someone out for a coffee or a scone during the operation? Number one, <laughs> the point of this is maybe the Dutch, maybe KLM could take the Dutch government out for a coffee and a scone <laughs> and work this out because you don't want to lose all that tax revenue and you of people using Amsterdam. And does the Dutch government really want to stop people traveling to and from Holland? You know, that's great for everyone. Yeah. No, definitely. Doug, one more thing before we leave the Amsterdam story. So I'm we're seeing this the Dutch restrictions play out at work. So our flight to Amsterdam, it cannot land in Amsterdam before seven AM, which is weird. This must be new because we always knew of a five AM curfew that we couldn't land before. But apparently there's a seven AM also. And I don't know if it's the if it's noise or if it's airport gates. Yeah. And I'll find out. Well, because I, I told you, I've I, and I'm wondering if it's a home field, like a home hometown advantage thing to KLM, because when I went to Sydney, Qantas was basically the only airline who could land in the first hour of the day, and if we got there early, we were going to have to hold. I, I've landed in Amsterdam multiple times at, at like zero dark thirty. I, I remember it's probably yeah. like five fifteen, but who yeah. who was I on? I was on either Delta or KLM, which is right. the hometown advantage so i'm I'm wondering if maybe that's part of it if we land there at 701 it is a three hundred thousand euro fine so we are holding our flight at the gate and not that i don't trust pilots but if my if we were told don't push it early and it pushes early and it lands at 659 they're not going to call you they're not going to call the first officer they, they will call the Dulles station <laughs> and be like what did you do we yeah. told you to hold it yeah it's like oh yeah but the crew said that doesn't work. So what we're doing is we're keeping the jetway on <laughs> because in the past we've told pilots, Hey, don't push until this time. 
mm-hmm. and then you see them taxiing out five but, minutes but, early. But, but even even then, because like I've I've flown to places where customs doesn't open until a certain time, five in the morning, six in the morning, and we have done it. everything in our power. We have pushed late. We have flown slow. We've done all that, and yet we still arrive at I don't know Houston. 20 minutes before customs opens, like mm. at, at the gate, 20 minutes before customs opens. And then we have to right. tell the passengers, we're really sorry. We made it here early. We tried everything in our power not to make it here early. You're going to have yeah. to sit on the airplane for 20 minutes because customs is not open yet. And that was with pushing late on purpose. That was with flying slow on purpose. That was with getting right, long vectors on purpose. And we still get there 20 minutes early. Well, my flight ops rep who's in the office, who's a retired pilot, like he actually gave me, so the pilots are getting something that says, hey, if you land before this time, it's 300,000 euro. Just just know that. But he also said it is very, it's difficult because you're coming into Amsterdam and there's a standard approach path. And then the controller would be like, hey, you know, you can take a shortcut. You, if you can come in this way, we can get you in faster. And the pilots are sleep deprived. The controller is giving them, basically telling them, because the controller just wants to move planes. They don't know about all these airport restrictions, right? They're trying to move the planes. So they'll take that shortcut. They'll land early and boom, (laughs) $300,000 fine. Okay. (laughs) And And you know, they might not be thinking about that because they're, it's, they haven't, they've had, probably had three hours of sleep if, if you're lucky. On and every, every decision has negative follow-on consequences. What, what is one of the negative follow-on consequences? Amsterdam doesn't want airplanes landing at ship old before five because of noise. Okay, cool. I get that. You get fined if you land before five. But what happens if an airplane did everything in their power to not land before five and they go into holding so they don't get fined? Now you have an airplane that's burning more gas, more CO2, sorry, Aaron, more fuel, right. more CO2 the- emissions mm-hmm. and more noise circling overhead these communities when all you all all you had to do is just let them land and give us and it would be yeah, quieter be and less emissions to just let them come in and land and and yeah. and like say okay, you landed before 5 or before 7 whatever the restriction is try not to do that again, but we would mm. rather have you land than hold to avoid landing before X time. Some flights have an exemption. So our flight from uh, New York has an exemption because I guess they're special. It's just that one flight. So airlines can get, can get an exemption on some of these. London Heathrow has this also. It's 6 a.m. It is. But you know what? They don't charge. My understanding is they don't fine you. What they do is if you violate their... <laughs> their uh, curfew a number of times, they'll just pull your slot, which is way worse than a, a <laughs> that, that's, that's not a $300,000 fine. fine. That's a that's, $30 million fine. Yeah. Those slots are worth millions. So don't London's basically saying, don't mess with them. <laughs> because they'll, they'll pull it. Yeah. All right. Our final news story this week, honestly, it comes as no surprise to anyone. Boeing announced on Friday that they're halting deliveries of some 737 maxes. The new development is due to a quality problem from one of its suppliers, which is Spirit Aerosystems. Boeing said that the issue affects a significant number of undelivered planes and will likely result in, in decreased deliveries this year. The issue relates to two fittings that joined the fuselage to the tail, which weren't attached correctly before Boeing received the pieces. Spirit builds the fuselages in Wichita, Kansas, and then ships them to Everett for final assembly via train. Boeing was notified of the issues on Wednesday, but Spirit says that it likely dates back to 2019. 
More than 400 Maxes were expected to be delivered this year, and the production rate jumps from 31 a month to 38 a month in June. The issue is likely will decrease the number of planes Boeing can deliver this year, which will impact Boeing's cash flow as well as the airline's growth plans, who are expecting to receive X number of airplanes this year. Boeing said in a statement, quote, We have notified the FAA of the issue, and we're working to conduct inspections and replace the non-conforming fittings where necessary. We regret the impact that this issue will have on affected customers and are in contact with them concerning their delivery schedule. Can we just move on? Like, can <laughs> I, I, the, I know. okay, the, actually, the great, great point here. Greg and I were talking about this the other night, and he, he was saying, what, Boeing just can't catch a break. This isn't Boeing's fault. Like, in, in uh, like, it, I guess in a way it is, because they, they're contracting with Spirit Aerosystems, yeah. but this is one of those things where it's like, ultimately, this is outside of Boeing's control, but yet Boeing is the one who is paying the price for it, in not getting the cash flow, not delivering the airplanes, but then the the airlines are going to hurt because of the growth plans that they had and they're not going to get the airplanes they needed. Mm-hmm. Cash flow is super important for Boeing because we are jumping up and down, banging our pots and pans together, saying Boeing launch a new airplane and they mm-hmm. can't do it until they get their, their cash flow and, and ducks in a row. Yeah, it's this whole chain. So do you know 70% Something like 70% of the 737 is made of the fuselage is made by spirit aerosystem. I mean, it's almost like this This is a spirit yeah. 737 MAX because that's most of the body of the plane. Which is in Wichita, and we will talk about that because the spirit aerosystems center where they make them is right across yeah. the ramp from where I am going to, to school right now for the KC. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder if they do tours. I'll, I'll, look, in, I'll look into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we were talking about Section 41 on the 767 and 777. They make that Spirit Aero... Is it Aero Systems or Spirit... Spirit Aero Systems. Spirit Aero Systems make that. Specifically, this. Um, there's these... What's holding these maxes up is there's eight fittings that hold the vertical tail to the body of the plane. And they, there's a concern regarding two of these eight fittings. So that's what they're checking. Let's get to the main event now, even though we've like wasted all the time on all kinds of other good stuff, it's right? good stuff. So regale us with your trip to Dallas and uh, non-rev lounge podcast. Saw some really nice pictures of people hanging out and visiting the company headquarters. What, what are your thoughts? Tyler, Lara, and Mo, this was awesome. Th- this event blew everyone out of the water. And I think it blew them out of the water because they, they were not expecting the turnout. I, I was asking Tyler, there were almost 90 people who were here this weekend, which was fantastic. Tyler said in their previous meetups, they did the Chicago pizza thing. And one, one other thing I can't remember, there were like 20, 25 people. And mm-hmm. yeah, when they, the Chicago pizza is about 20 people. Yeah. And, and when they put this out on, on uh, social media and talked about it in the podcast, they were expecting probably 20 or 25 people. And there were 90 people who showed up. And most people flew in from mm-hmm, yeah. all over the U.S. And it was awesome. And it was really well put together. It was so much fun. I missed the spotting at Founders Plaza on Friday evening. So I wasn't there mm-hmm. for that. But I was there for everything yesterday. And literally, as soon as we finish this this recording, I'm heading over to Founders to, to go spot. A lot of people, I think, are gone already this morning. They flew home either last night or, or this morning. But Drew, I, just talking to people yesterday, 
there are a lot of people who flew in for the day. They flew in yesterday morning. They were there for the whole oh. event, and then they flew home last night. There, there were quite a few people who stayed for the weekend. We started out yesterday at their airline's headquarters, which their airline just built a, a brand new, gorgeous facility here in Dallas. It, it was awesome, and we got a great tour, lots of great pictures. It was really great interacting with all of their listeners, and a lot of them are our listeners. And of course, I was wearing my Next Trip t-shirt. I had a lot of people come up to me, and I, I apologize to every. I, there, there were probably like 25 people, 30 people who came up to me and and just thanked me and thanked us for what we do. I apologize. Yeah. I, I should have written your names down. I, I don't remember mm-hmm. a lot of them. Well, we gained six followers on Instagram. It was funny because Tyler was like, hey, do, do you want to talk for five minutes about the podcast? And I said, yes. And I thought that he meant that they were going to do Not a lounge. Yeah, they were going to do a recording. And, he, and then he mm-hmm. goes... Oh, uh, by the way, I'm, I mean, like at the event, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wait, wait to, you know, get your foot in the door before you actually ask the question. But yeah. it, it, it was it was great. They had a, a lot of airlines actually donated things. It reminded me of how Dorkfest is and Cranky Flyer is able to get handouts from the airlines to, to uh, give out. It was really funny though, Drew. I was like the last person, like the second to last person to actually get one of the one of the giveaways there mm-hmm. were there were two things left at that and everyone was laughing because I, mm-hmm. it, they would read the ticket and it was so close and i would be like oh mm-hmm. and everyone around <laughs> us, everyone in our row including nate and brandy mm-hmm. and their son won something like their oh, two-year-old won something and i'm still sitting here i haven't won anything okay, come on. there were there were two giveaways that were left there was mm-hmm. a jsx 500 dollars gift card oh and at That's that point, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I might get that because I, I haven't yeah. gotten anything. Yeah. And there were there were two <laughs> tickets to the Delta Museum in Atlanta. Uh-huh. That's what you got. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> what you've been to that? Trade yeah. those for the JSS, JSX? No, what I, what I did, I traded those with actually with Nate because Nate got a mm-hmm. 767 bag tag, like built made from the skin of a 767 and he didn't want that well he he got three of them because oh, nate finn okay. and brandy all got, oh, all, yeah. all won 767 bag tags so i traded him mm-hmm. i said nate take your family to atlanta go to the renaissance spot go to the museum and he turned yeah. to brandy and he goes you want to do that and she's like book it now let's go so they, oh, wow. so they're, they're, they're gonna bring, Nate's, gonna, Nate's gonna bring their their family to Atlanta, go spot, go to the museum, mm-hmm. and I got a seven sixty seven bag tag, which was great. The yeah. the JSX mm-hmm. winner was a mm-hmm. four year old kid who has no. <laughs> so we were all we we're all laughing. We're like, oh, that just got the really expensive can't. for the parents because they're mm-hmm. gonna have to then pay for the the ticket. So this whole event, was it mostly like, was it escorted by their airline or was it them? It it was escorted by their airline. We, we had to submit our names and had to check in at the visitor center to get like escort badges. So we did a tour Mm -hmm. of the headquarters. I mean, if, if you're into aviation stuff, it was awesome because it had really cool displays in the headquarters and everything. They explained the airline and the operations and all that. And then we got to eat at the cafeteria where the pilots and the flight attendants and everyone else were eating. So people were able to, to mingle, which is really cool. And then we went to the museum for the airline, which is great. We're not going to mention the airline because I, I'm not sure if we're supposed to, but look up Airline Museum Dallas and go to that museum because it is mm-hmm. awesome. We started out with a like 10 minute video about the airline 
and in this theater at this museum, you're sitting in old first class seats. That's amazing. Yeah, the, I saw pictures. Of that yeah, there were like 80 of us sitting in the theater in these old first class seats. Mm-hmm. By the way, Brittany, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to throw you under the bus. But I, when it was done, I unbuckled my seatbelt and it made some noise. Uh-huh. And Brittany, uh-huh. the flight attendant, goes, oh, wait, I didn't know these seats had seatbelts. So we were all giving her grief. <laughs> like, you're a flight attendant. You should know. <laughs> yeah. You should know exactly yeah. what those do. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so then we walked around this this museum, which had awesome models. And there was a DC-3. Thanks for the picture. Yeah, thanks for the picture of the Reno Air MD-80. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I knew it because they, they had the whole progression of this airline and, and who they've merged with. So I was trying to look for yeah. that for you. Yeah, After yeah. that, uh, a group of 10 of us went and we got a tour inside the DFW airport, inside security of their operations mm-hmm. center, which was awesome to see just like how, how one of the third busiest airport in the world operates and, and how the airline yeah. operates here. And then there was a ramp tour and it, it was just awesome. Then ended last night at this like food hall Everyone's just having a great time, drinks, well, dinner, all of that. So, and you said Tyler, you said Bowen. they have a they have a Sri Lankan uh, ops manager. Oh, yes, so it seems yes, like we yes. have a lock. Yeah, we have uh, a lock on that the, market. The listeners who were there are going to be upset if I don't mention this. This guy shows up because Tyler tells us where where to go to meet up mm-hmm. for this tour, and we had to to basically get a a, um, a gate pass, not not a boarding pass, but a gate pass. So he told yeah. us which ticket counter to go to. So we went and, and got that. But the, this guy looks exactly like you, like from, like skin skin tone wise, mm-hmm. at least. Introduces mm-hmm. himself basically as the the shift manager for so the operations center <laughs> for this airline, and mm-hmm. then he goes, "Yeah, you know, I've I've worked around a lot in the industry. I worked for Singapore Airlines in Sri Lanka. That's my home mm-hmm. country." And everyone's like. Oh my gosh! This is this airline's Drew. He <laughs> runs so the operation. He's from Sri Lanka. Yeah. And anyways, I, I got his business card, so I'm I'm gonna shoot oh, an good. email. I'll include you yeah. on it because we're we're telling him about you, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I'd love to connect. And he even said, I'm I'm sure I know some of his family because it's a oh yeah, pretty, it's pretty small, small yeah. it's pretty pretty small country. But we're probably all two degrees of separation. What's that? <laughs> if that. It's probably two degrees of yeah. separation. We, we're all laughing about it because we're like, oh, man, it's it, it's DFW's Drew. Like, it, it literally is DFW's Drew. <laughs> I would love to go sit with him and see how that operation runs compared to ours. But yeah. some of the pictures you sent of their op center was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was it was really like cool virtual reality. You know, it's like you're looking outside, but there are TV screens. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool. Tyler, Mo, and Laura, you guys put together an, an awesome experience it was great all the listeners that i met yesterday it was it was great talking to you guys and hopefully all the new listeners that, that we're picking up welcome to the show really looking forward to interacting with you guys and we we had some requests here that the listeners want us to do something like that it's not that we yeah. don't want to it's just that we have been so busy we will try and organize something in the coming months because that the, the listeners are asking for us to do something like that as yeah. well Oh, that's that's good to hear. That's also good to hear that a lot of the people that showed up also listened to our podcast. So if you were at uh, Tyler and Monique's and Laura's event and you listen to our podcast, thank you so much. And if you're a new listener, welcome. We get very av geeky with uh, engines and airplanes, but we talk about it all. So as I always say, like Doug and I say, if you're tired of something we're talking about and you're over engine blades, just wait 10 minutes. We'll t- it'll be changing to something. <laughs> but no, Doug, I'm glad you had a great time. 
And uh, you're probably looking forward to a very fast drive back to Wichita in a Dodge Challenger. (laughs) 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 At the same time, I'm more excited about that than someone non-riving back to Wichita. All right, before we go, we need to do a go-around on a game we just announced off the cuff on the last episode. As a reminder, we we asked for you to tell us which cities you would choose as hubs if you were starting an airline. We got a few responses, which we'll read here in a second, but... We're going to pause the game for some time because this week we started to expand our idea for a better version of of it, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. But anyway, for now, here's a couple um, versions. Here's what uh, some of our listeners, um, some of their ideas for hubs. Yeah, uh, Ryan Kaufman, which Ryan actually asked me yesterday because he was here. He and his wife are here. He asked me what I thought about his ideas. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. That's good. Um, I, I didn't really tell him because I, I was waiting until we talk about it here. Ryan's mm-hmm. idea of, for his four hubs are Indianapolis, which is in Indiana for the non-U.S. listeners, Provo, Utah, which is south of the Salt Lake area, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and Boise, Idaho. He, he said to you he thought about it all day, and that's what he came up with. Ryan, really, it took you all day to think about that. And you came up with Indy, Provo, Pittsburgh, and Boise. Boise. And I was like, is this an idea for a hub system? Or is this a way to get you to and from your friends and family? (laughs) 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 You You know, we're laughing, but maybe there is a huge demand between these cities for friends and family and businesses. So, you know, that. I Ryan mean, maybe onto something. That's what that's what Breeze is trying to do. That's what Abello is trying to do. JSX, JSX, you know, between Concord, California, and Burbank. Yes, within California. Yeah, that's what they're doing. All right, DJ from Raleigh, Durham. DJ, I saw pictures of you. You were also at the event. Shout out to DJ. He said Kansas City, Tampa, Pittsburgh, and Portland. So he's got a Midwest hub. He's got a East Coast or Florida Southeast hub. Pittsburgh, another Midwest hub, and West Coast Portland. Yeah, that's interesting. That's the second Pittsburgh that came up. It's one of those, like, US Air pulled out, and now other people are, are saying, we want to use that. It's smart, because the facility is already there. They just need to reopen those gates. Yeah. I remember Pittsburgh. When it was announced, it was this fabulous, it was like Brand a shopping new. center and yeah. an airport. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, well speaking of the US shopping center, I think Pittsburgh, I I think we talked about this if we didn't i'll bring it up pittsburgh was, mm-hmm. is one of the first airports in the last year to announce that non-flyers are now allowed to go through security because that is so because the shopping that is so because of the shopping mm-hmm. yeah and you know we need to consider that for other airports too not just for shopping well i mean the airlines are going to get more tax money because people are going to shop or, and eat yeah let the friends and family in yeah, you know, get them go, gate passes go, or whatever. I, I remember when you, you used to get greeted at at the gate by people as opposed to outside of security, and it was it was oh, awesome. So you're old enough to remember that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, because I, I remember that was a whole event where they would come to you to the gate, yeah. and then we we watched my grandma. She was going back to Sri Lanka, and she was boarding British Airways, and of course, I wanted to see my grandma leave, but I was able to see a seven forty seven two hundred like face to face. Yeah, <laughs> we need to go back to that. That yeah. was awesome, and all the money that those restaurants make with whole families sitting there and enjoying one last dinner with their friends and family before they leave. That's, that's a lot of tax dollars for the airport. Yeah. DJ, it was, it was great meeting you yesterday. It was, it was fun to hang out. And then our, our final one that we got initially is from Greg. He said, Kansas city, Baltimore, San Jose, and San Antonio. 
let's interesting. Save, let's save our That's discussion so good. because I think I think when we get real, oh my god when we reintroduce this That's game, really the listeners mm-hmm. are going to love how we're doing this. It's it's going to be great. We did this on a napkin at a dive bar at an airport. So it's myself, Patrick, Ryan, and Jay. Shout out to all you guys. These are, these are my resident av geeks now. <laughs> so we went to Jimmy's in, uh, where is it? Herndon, I think. And we're like, all right, what do you guys think? Let's come up with it together as a team. And we came up with San Jose. Okay. So you have a West Coast hub. Austin, so you have a Texas tech, hub. Texas well, and, and the, all the tech the tech that's moving to Austin. All the tech. San Jose and Austin are yeah. huge tech centers. So not only geographically located you know, perfectly, you have that all that tech traffic, which is a lot of money. It's less now with all the problems in IT, but it's going to come back. Raleigh-Durham, you have your East Coast hub. And that, that's another tech center. Another tech center. And we knew that it would work because American, that has a hub in Charlotte, they also do some, they used to do, I don't know if they are anymore, but they were also doing some international flying from Raleigh-Durham to Paris and London, I believe. Even yeah. though they have a hub, they're seeing opportunities in Raleigh-Durham. Raleigh-Durham is so centrally located between New York and Florida, you get a lot of connection traffic that you can funnel to Europe. And then last one, I mean, this is like the catch-all, Kansas City. I. That's my, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say my list right now. I, I'm going to wait until we relaunch this game. Kansas City, yeah. Drew, of, of, like, of the three who submitted so far, mm-hmm. Kansas City came up twice. And, I, like, why not? That That is, I, I have actually been to the geographical center of the United States. It's along a U.S. highway about 100 miles west of Kansas City. That is the actual physical geographical center of the U.S. Yeah. They have this big, like, plaque marking it. And everyone stops right. and take takes pictures. I, I made Marissa get out of the car to take a picture there, and she was rolling her eyes. And I'm like, "No, this is this this is a big deal. This is like the center of our country. This is this is mm-hmm. awesome. Kansas deal. City is like a hundred miles from there. It is wow. geographically the center of the United States. I think we talked about this. That's why their airport code is NCI, Mid Continent International. Right. I mean, it's either Kansas City or St. Louis. I just think. You hear Kansas City Airport uh, investing a lot of money, so they would be on the team. Right? And, if you and the metro play. area is booming. Kansas City is a, a great spot. If anyone or if, if people haven't been there, it's an awesome place. Like mm-hmm. Marissa and I have vacationed in Kansas City. Like it, it, yeah, it is a place to go, and it's growing really fast. And I, I just think Kansas City would be a great place for a hub. For next week, do we want the listeners to... We, well, uh, How I, about I'm, you I'm, and I? I'm working... Yesterday, Tyler and I started working on the spreadsheet to assign values to these airports. Mm-hmm. It might be a couple weeks Perfect. before we're done with it, but it's in okay. the works. And I think the listeners are actually going to really love the game that we put out. I, we had an episode a couple years ago called Twitter Games and something else or whatever. This yeah. is going to be our next Twitter game. And I think it is going to be a hit with everyone. I was kind of teasing yeah. it yesterday at the event. Everyone's like, oh, man, yeah, I would, I would love to to come up with my ideas. Yeah, Doug, we got to make sure that it's um, it's <laughs> that it's not too involved because people are going to lose interest. It, it won't be. No, it, the, the info that I was telling you is how the sausage is made. That's how we're going to yeah. come up with the values for the airports. Where mm-hmm. We literally will just give you a list of airports and how expensive they'll be for you to build your airline. You're not going right. to have to look at, at all the data points that we're going to use. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I, I'm, the, I'm the data nerd. I'll do that for you. I'll just give you values for the airport. Right. 
and, and don't worry, I'll, I'll give Doug some guardrails. <laughs> you know, it's not just you, me, Tyler, and Greg in the competition because everyone else is like, okay, this is too much. <laughs> well, Drew, unfortunately, you didn't get to fly to Texas this weekend for this event, but you do have something coming up. So what's your next trip? So my next trip is tomorrow. I'm going to our headquarters, and we are working on this tool that we use in the SOC, which you as as a pilot, flight attendants, everyone has access to, and you can put in notes in there. And it's a one-stop shopping. And just real quick, when I started as a zone supervisor, a zone controller, we had all these places we had to go to find information. And you had to have five or six different systems or programs up. We had to go one place for load planning, another place for booking information, which was our booking system. You had to go someplace else to find where the crews were, another place to find the maintenance items. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous, right? So inefficient. So now we have all of that in this new program. And if it's not on that page itself, it's one click away. So you only have to have that one screen instead of five or six. I am going to our headquarters with some of my coworkers and people from other hubs to make this system even better. So I'll tell you about it. Lots of um, good stuff that also looks at arrivals, not just departures, because we base a lot of our work on departures. Mm-hmm. What about the arrivals? You know, that, what is that, coming that's in? That's awesome. That, no, that's great because we, we get a gate assignment ACARS message roughly an hour out from landing. And there are times where it might say the the time the gate is open and it says contact mm-hmm. ops. And then you're it, when you see contact ops, you know, <laughs> oh, the you know that someone else is on your gate. So then you're yeah. like, oh, man, what's going on? So you're, you're trying to fish and hunt for this information. And this is a yeah. system that works on our Wi-Fi on the airplane. So in the flight deck, if I can get mm-hmm. info on what's going on at my arrival gate, that would be mm-hmm. awesome. Because that way I can know hey, let's slow it down maybe a little bit if, if we need to save some time or are we going to get yeah, a big change or like all that. So arrival info would be a great for us to see as well. Yeah, exactly. One more thing before we go. So I wanted to give a shout out to Steve who works for our company on the tow team or the move team. So he was flying back from Japan. Flights are full going to, he's in Houston. So he came through uh, Washington, DC. So I was able to see one of our guests and I, I'm always asking for feedback. And he said, it's our episodes are too short. Like it's over before he knows it. So well, good. Here this you is, go. Because this, this one, this <laughs> one's long. <laughs> so anyway, Steve, it was nice meeting you. And uh, thanks for the support and feedback. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. And thanks to all of our new listeners that we picked up this weekend. Absolutely. And for the new listeners, we love the feedback. So if you're listening to us for the first time, tell us what you think so that we can uh, we can appeal to all, all kinds of people who love aviation. Thanks again to our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. 